I'm Larissa Manning, and welcome to the premiere episode of Imaginal Cells. Each episode, we interview transformational leaders who are proving that business can be a force for good in the world. Our hope is to inspire and help people of all backgrounds who are looking to build a life and business on purpose. We hope that every episode will inspire you to make your own impact in the world. Welcome to Imaginal Cells. Hi, I'm here with Sheena Russell. Sheena is founder and CEO of Made with Local, a Dartmouth-based B-Core that produces three lines of nourishing snack foods. They bring together Canadian ingredients and create bars, oatmeal, and baking mixes, all in partnership with social enterprises. Made with Local supports employment and training programs at three Nova Scotia-based social enterprises, engaging dozens of Nova Scotians living with barriers to mainstream employment. Their products can be found at national grocery chains, including Loblaws, Sobeys, Whole Foods, and more. Is there anything you'd like to add, Sheena? That's pretty much it. Perfect. Well, welcome. I'm so (laughs) excited to have you here. So tell me a little bit about what motivated you to start your business. Well, what motivated me originally to start the business was boredom uh, (laughs) with a job that was not fulfilling uh, to, I was working at, you know, a nine to five and a government job. um, And it was a great job to get right out of university, which was around this time. But at the end of the day, it wasn't really that fun. And as a young person, you know, you want to be I'm a millennial, you know, one of these dreaded millennials who has <laughs> these, you know, passions of working within your purpose and not just, you know, plundering away at a at a cubicle. So for that was one of the biggest uh, things that got us started. And also at the time, this was 2012. So the energy bar section in your grocery store in 2012 did not look like it does today. It was there were really limited, um, really limited quantities and qualities. There were brands that were not very delicious and made with all kinds of weird ingredients. And there was, you know, the protein bars with strange ingredients in them, and then your Quaker granola bars and kind of nothing else. So we saw that as an opportunity to create something that was actually delicious and actually good for you. Um, And at at the same time, it was right at the beginning of the local food movement uh, as it was starting to pick up steam here in Nova Scotia. So in 2012, people were starting to go to the farmer's markets on Saturdays and just locavore, the locavore movement was really taking off. So we thought, hey, let's let that be our thing. You know, we're in Nova Scotia. There's no reason why we shouldn't be sourcing as many ingredients from local farmers and food producers as we can. So like, let's just go for it. So It was those early days where we were literally just like calling up like oats farmers and um, a peanut butter maker in Windsor, Nova Scotia, who has, you know, a little peanut butter facility in the back of a bakery. Um, Folks down in Lunenburg who dry their beautiful cranberries that are grown in a bog right on their land. Like we realized realized very quickly that we were going to be able to source the lion's share of our ingredients from folks who were in Atlantic Canada. And that just felt like we were really onto something. So we started creating the bars um, with that first family of ingredients and bringing them to the farmer's market. And uh, that would have been the spring of 2012. Very cool. I remember going to the farmer's market and seeing you guys there with your check tablecloth. Yeah. And the, the wrapped bars and the cellophane. Yeah. Wow. It's been, it's been a long time. I know. It has. It feels like a lifetime. Yeah. So why was it important for you to to ensure that you were using local ingredients and local um, resources for for your bars? It was important to us because we could, right? Like if the option is there, why wouldn't you go for that, right? It's something that was available to us and 
there's it just it wouldn't make any sense to go outside of these relationships and source ingredients that were from further away or of lower quality or whatever like we had access to this beautiful food that's created right here in Nova Scotia uh, and all across Atlantic Canada so it was just really easy honestly and I think that that lends itself to um you know, I guess it validated the idea for us is like, this actually isn't hard to pull together. This is a great idea. And and it's, you know, we were in the flow in that way right away because um, it came together pretty simply. So you started making the bars in your kitchen? Yeah. So the earliest batches were made at home. Uh, the test batches, I should say, were made at home. As soon as we were going to start selling them, we started uh, making them out of a commercial kitchen. The very first commercial kitchen that we used was actually at the Banook Canoe Club. Um, and at the time, we would go in there, we'd drag all of our ingredients in. The Banook Canoe Club is this institution in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, where oh, yes. people paddle um, and flat water paddling. And my husband is, has been, he grew up there essentially, and we live a few blocks away. So I knew that they had this catering kitchen that we could use. Um, so we rented it for a couple hours a week, and we would drag all of our ingredients in there and start baking these bars with the intention of bringing them to the farmer's market. And the first day that we started baking there, we realized that, um, they didn't have any big bowls and we were like, Oh my God, how, like, how are we going to do this? So we're like rummaging through all the cupboards, trying to find equipment like, or, you know, stuff big enough to make the batches that we needed to make and realize that the only vessel they had big enough was a lobster pot. So (laughs) that's a very Nova Scotian moment where we're like, you know, all elbow deep in a lobster pot, mixing up granola bar dough. So it was those early days where things were extremely low tech, <laughs> very um, lots of improvisations going on. Um, and we graduated from the Bina Canoe Club pretty quickly into baking at our friend's cafe after hours. So we actually baked uh, them at the at two of by sea in Halifax on Monday nights. That was our baking. Our baking night was Monday nights at Tibbs. And you had to get everything done all in that one night for the week. Yeah, and we had to drag everything in and out. And it was just like logistically such a huge pain in the ass. Um, it was, yeah, it was not easy. But what made us do it week after week was that they were selling like crazy at the seaport and the Alderney market. So we had to keep up and everybody says that's the good problem to have. So we definitely learned a lot in those early days. Yeah, well, people were excited to be able to get something that was delicious and local and nutritious yeah. and right there in their in their backyards. Totally. Yeah, amazing, amazing. So for me, um, I think of business um, as the business's purpose, as their as their north star. You know, their guiding light. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, Made with Locals' purpose? Wow. So yes, we have. I feel like we have purposes that like run in tandem alongside each other, but the the one that is the closest to my heart, I would say, was is this uh, these partnerships that we hold currently with social enterprise production bakeries. So um, we, in the past, like I said, we started baking them ourselves, but soon in, well, two years into the business, I got pregnant with my daughter and wasn't able to bake the bars myself anymore uh, because my belly was literally getting in the way. So I needed help to produce the bars. And that's when we partnered with our first social enterprise bakery. And uh, they're an organization that employs folks who have barriers to the mainstream workforce in this little kitchen where they have staff who guide the participants and they do beautiful work. So we partnered with them in uh, the spring of 2014. And as soon as we started embarking on this partnership with them, I just thought, oh my God, like this is 
this is the why. This is what this business was built and born to do, was to not only support local farmers and food producers, but create this incredible ecosystem between farmers, food producers, and these social enterprise bakeries. And the, the you know, um, the side effect of that is these amazing granola bars <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, or the, you know, the end result of that. So um, that the purpose for us is really to create as much positive social impact in our community as we can. And we continue to just double down on that at every opportunity. Um, we've grown hugely since those early days in 2014. And every step of the way, you know, we've been told, okay, well, you're going to have to reconsider this model that you have because it's not scalable and you can't keep doing it this way. And we just keep proving them wrong, which is so satisfying. <laughs> it's amazing. It's it, amazing. And it's, and it's hard work, but we, uh, it, it's, yeah, it's pretty incredible. And we, and I don't take credit for that. I take, I say that the credit goes to, um, this very unknown thing about Nova Scotia is that we have an incredible social enterprise sector here in Nova Scotia that's been grown and fostered for decades. And it just so happened that when Made With Local was ready to blow up, that we had these production facilities um, who were willing to come on this journey with us. So um, it's it's been easier here than I could imagine it being maybe in any other place um, because Nova Scotia is really unique in that way. So these facilities, are they growing with you yeah. as your journey as you grow and now that you're in like Whole Foods and Loblaws and just really spreading across the country? Absolutely. So back in 2014, our first social enterprise partner, uh, the Flower Cart Group in New Minas, Nova Scotia, they were making a few hundred bars a week between four and 600 bars a week, let's say. They're doing more than 10 times that now. (laughs) They have right now our capacity with them is about 35,000 bars a month. And it's still not enough. So we we built uh, we've built out in their space. So we were working in one little room, and then they like knocked out some walls and expanded into the next unit. And then we've moved into a second building with them. So we've more than tripled our footprint at that one social enterprise. And then we've also expanded into two totally other social enterprise organizations to just keep up with demand. So yeah, everybody is they're they're along for the ride. It's a team effort for sure. That is so wonderful. Do you have any idea of how many people are employed through the social enterprises because of these expansions that they've had to do? Yeah, so it's is a moving number as different social enterprises have different um, training and, and hiring models. Uh, but I think it rests somewhere in the vicinity of about 60 to 80 uh, staff and participants are directly engaged with made with local products on a weekly basis. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your business values. I think of the values sort of as the compass leading you or helping you stay on, on track. So on your on your website, your values are love, nourish and community. So how do these guide and influence your company on a daily basis? Yeah, I mean, they absolutely do. They are the North Stars. They're, they're the mantra of the company. Um, we think about love as something you should consider as an essential nutrient in your food, right? Not just like an ingredient, because I know people like to talk about it being, you know, oh, we added love, which we are huge proponents of, but we're trying to even go deeper on that concept of what if you thought about nourishing yourself with enough love in your food? Um, what if you actually thought about it? Like you think about protein or fat or fiber, you know, it's like, oh, does this food, is this food truly nourishing to me or is it, um, depleting of, of that same energy? So that's something that we really take seriously. And, and that's something that I believe to the core of my being, um, that love is something that you should be 
thinking of getting enough of it in your diet. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're always eating, you know, kale and smoothies and all that jazz. Like your grandmother's chocolate chip cookies are probably the highest thing in love you could ever imagine. And to, to appreciate those and, you know, understand that they have a nourishing component as well. And that's something that is definitely, it runs in contrast to a lot of the rhetoric in, you know, diet culture and, in, and the health food space in general. And we're a tiny little voice right now, but we just want to scream that from the rooftop. So love, that's where love comes in. Um, nourishment also comes hand in hand with that and understanding that nourishment doesn't always mean kale and smoothies. It doesn't always mean that you're eating, you know, quote unquote, clean nourishment is something that happens not only at a nutritional level, but also at a soul level. And, um, we need to think more about that as a society. Um, and talking about society, here we go into community and how, you know, we can all, we all know in the last even 15 or 10 years that, um, communities as we experience them tend to be a lot more online and less in person, but that's dangerous, uh, in certain ways. And that, you know, we talk or hear about now that there's a loneliness epidemic happening in the Western world. And what is, what is happening? Like what is going on there? We need to, um, never forget the value of your neighbor, your community, the people who are, you know, right beside you every day. Um, and you know, how, how valuable it is to actually engage in the real world and create impact right in your own community IRL in real life <laughs> instead of <laughs> not instead of but uh, it, as well as you know I'm also a huge proponent and have witnessed and built amazing friendships in the online space but um the coolest thing about those relationships that, is that I've gone on to you know befriend somebody on Instagram but then now we're friends in real life you know you've got to have that human connection and that's where community comes in Nice. I know um, one of the practices that we've put in place at the Purpose Led Business School is uh, a practice of gratitude. And that has come directly from you. So whenever um, at every meal that we have, we go around the table and um, and thank and everyone, you know, talks about something that they're grateful for that day. Um, How did that come about with uh, Made with Local being grateful and the gratitude uh, practice? Yeah. So it's something that I practice at home. Um, I don't have a particularly like religious immediate family my husband and I and my two little girls, like we don't uh, prescribe to any specific uh, religion, but we do uh, have rituals, you know, rituals focused on gratitude and kindness and um, the, the ritual of saying kind of like a secular grace, uh, we'll call it, or just a gratitude practice at mealtime is something that uh, is really important to me. And I just think it's so powerful um, to have that moment where you're sitting around a table breaking bread, which is like one of the, you know, most ancient forms of community and family sharing. Um, it's just a really special opportunity to sit and take a breath and say, okay, you know, whatever happened today, uh, good or bad, you know, it's behind me and here we are together. And let's just take two little seconds to, to honor that. And I'll, I'll admit, like I've known, it's been something that was, I've had in my mind as, uh, as something of importance to me for quite a long time, but I felt like kind of shy about pitching it to my husband, who is like the most open and kind person ever to be like, we should start doing this. And he's like immediately on board. He's like, all right, let's make this a thing that is in our 
children's lives always. And then, you know, now we do it when we're sitting around the table with friends and it can be pretty like it can be structured or it can be really loose. You know, we can just immediately as we sit down, start talking about um, good things that happen today or things that you're grateful for. And sometimes we do uh, with my family do it a little more structured where we like, you know, we hold hands with the little girls and I'll talk about um, the th- our happy things. That's with my kids are five and, and seven months. So they're, they're very small, but we talk about our happy things. Uh, so I just, yeah, I just think it's a really beautiful ritual that's kind of gone by the wayside in the last however many decades. I think a lot of it has to do with fo- my generation, you know, millennials kind of pulling back from organized religion and grace being seen as like a, you know, a very like stiff, uh, thing where you're thanking, you know, the Lord and all of these things that some folks now are, a little less likely, likely to do. Um, not that they're not grateful, but it's just the, the rigidity of it, I guess, is something that maybe hasn't translated well over time. So, but this gives the opportunity for the ritual to survive. And with the, the intention of it is the same, right? The intention is the same. You're thanking, um, you're thanking your experience, uh, and you're honoring your experience and you're sharing that loving moment with the people that you care about. And the intention behind that is, is very much the same. So for us, I think it's quite beautiful, um, to be able to take that, um, you know, the, the practice of gratitude and, you know, honoring, you know, a loving moment, um, over while people are nourishing themselves. And with our group at the school, when we start they're they're basically strangers that first day. And usually people are really uncomfortable when we say, Oh, we're going to do this practice of gratitude. But by the end of the week, they're a tight knit, close community. So it's really quite beautiful to be able to take your, those three values that you have and really be able to to use them and um and just um you know bring people closer together over Mm -hmm. food so Mm -hmm. thank you oh you are so welcome (laughs) (laughs) so just switching gears just a little bit i just um was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about some of the challenges that you faced um with growing your business yeah so we've gone from being a farmer's market table to distributed in almost a thousand stores across Canada. So there've been lots of bumps along the way. Um, some of the biggest challenges of course have come with scaling, uh, manufacturing because of the model that we have and partnering with social enterprises and because real humans make our bars by hand, uh, that is, that comes with you know, significant, uh, bumps in the road when it comes to just being able to make more and, uh, get bars out on time with these big retailers, you know, they want what they, what they want when they want it. So, uh, that's been a big challenge. And that's something that I really love in my work with the team here at Imaginal Ventures is that, uh, we've, taken something that I've seen as a particularly challenging part of our company, which is scaling this social impact model and trying to pivot it as the asset that we're building in the company, right? Like what's the really hard problem that we're trying to solve here and, and reposition it totally to say, we're solving something that's never been solved for before. And that is our superpower. So that's been just, it's a cognitive shift. Um, And something that, you know, we just make sure that every person on the team is really aligned on. And of course, there's days that you're like, oh, my God, it would be so much easier if we were just, you know, X, Y, Z. But um, but what's the fun in that? (laughs) Exactly. Um, and another one, if I'm being super honest, this is a business podcast, like cash flow is really hard when you're in an inventory heavy business. And when we're running, uh, three different, uh, social enterprise bakeries that are all, 
um, all managing their own inventories and have their own uh, operations that are happening. Like that's just, it's, it's tough. Uh, scaling quickly is very money intensive. And that's something that we uh, have come in and out of at certain points in the business, but it's always, it's always again tied to that, you know, quote unquote, good problem to have. Like we're growing so fast that we, our cash flow hasn't caught up yet. And that's been tricky at times, but um, we've gotten amazing support from some really cool uh, community-based funders here in Nova Scotia. One that I really would love to chat about really quickly is one called Farmworks. They're a, a CDIF. I, I'm trying to think of what the acronym stands Community for. Community Investment Development e- Fund. Right, yeah. So it's um, private investors that are in a community and they pitch into a big fund and then there's a board of directors that are responsible for doling out the funds to uh, brand and mission-aligned companies. So Farmworks is based out of um, the Annapolis Valley, Nova Scotia, like where so many of our suppliers and our bakeries are. And they... Anytime we've needed uh, some support, whether it be in equipment investment or just like working capital, like they've been so incredibly generous with us and have been just, they believe in us, right? Like they're taking a leap of faith on this little tiny company that's trying to go huge and are going huge. And they have been um, a really critical part of the growth trajectory of me with local as it pertains to, you know, funding and, and cash flow and all that jazz. And it feels amazing to um, receive funding from an organization like that. That's that really cares about you, you know, like the, the founder of the fund and the woman who runs the fund, Linda best, like we go out for lunch and we, we hug each other, you know, and she really cares about, you know, how are things going with you guys? How you feeling? You know, like you don't get that from a bank. No. So <laughs> it's, not. it's a really, um, it's a really powerful relationship that again, like is very unique to us here in Nova Scotia and, um, one that we definitely don't take for granted. If you could give yourself one piece of advice, your past self, your younger self, maybe back in 2012, or maybe even a little bit before that, what would it be on this journey that you've, that you've started on? Oh my goodness. That is a really great question. And I just think that I would tell myself, and it's something that a mantra that I still have for myself today, that self-doubt is such an epic freaking waste of time. Like how much energy do and time do we all waste fretting about um ourselves not being good enough or not be just not being enough in general that scarcity complex that so many of us have and I'll say it too like women entrepreneurs especially have this you know they call it imposter syndrome they call it you know having the not enough energy uh it's just it's such a epic waste of time you know because all it does is get in the way and slow you down yeah and it you can literally just decide, like, I'm not going to believe those thoughts and just carry on and kick ass, yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. and I, like every single day I still am like, oh, my God, why am I why am I puttering on this or why am I restraining myself on this whatever decision or or leap that we're trying to make? And it's just um, it's just a big goal waste of time. So that's something that I would definitely tell myself in 2012 or just before is just to, you know, get that stuff out of the way as quickly as you can. And the business then follows suit because um, as we say here at Imaginal Ventures, um, you know, leaders go first. So the more aligned and focused the leader in the company is, the more quickly the business will follow suit. And that's just something that I I tell myself every day. Excellent. 
I want to talk a little bit about um, B Corps. Mm-hmm. So just this year, you guys became B Corps certified. Mm-hmm. Why was that important to you? It's really important to me because in the world of health food, you know, claims and badges and, you know, certifications are a dime a dozen. There's a million different badges you can get to put on your packaging about this and that and the other thing. But B Corp is um, a different type of certification that is entirely focused on the purpose of your company, the how you run your company in a purpose aligned way and um, how you conduct yourself as a you know global citizen as as a company, it's it's a big deal, um, and I think that I saw it uh, years ago now, just starting to kind of bubble up in the business community, and it piqued my interest. And the more I learned about it, the more it became a goal for me. And you know, as a really small business, like for for it to be a, f- a farmers market table or just post that, like it's it would be extremely difficult to get certified just because the nature of the certification relies on um, your business being a certain size. Um, but it doesn't have to be much bigger than that. And as soon as we started getting into, um, some more like regional distribution and then, uh, dabbled in national distribution and started uh, building out these processes that I knew were different than the status quo. And that I knew were ethically and environmentally superior to what a lot of our competitors were doing. I said, I'm going to go for it. So I started to, uh, check out, you know, some, some, uh, like lunch and learns that were hosted at the BDC and just learn more about what it takes to become B Corp certified. And, uh, yeah, I decided to dive in about a year ago and tackle the application. And I say tackle because it is a beast. Oh, I know. Yeah. It <laughs> is going through it. <laughs> and, and, and it's so, it, yeah, it's a very significant application. Nobody in their right mind would ever do it just for shits and giggles. Like yeah. it's not one of these things that you're just going to do to slap on your packaging and not ever look back at twice. Like it's, it's extremely rigorous. It, you have to brush through every single component of your company with a very fine toothed comb. And it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's the, the gold standard for ethical and environmentally sustainable businesses in the world. So I wanted that. I'm like, I want that. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, we started applying last year. It took me months to fill in the application because you have to pull so much data. And that's another thing. It's like, it's not a qualitative woo woo wishy washy thing. Like they Mm. want numbers. You've got to prove yourself, uh, to be, to be better at than the rest at all of these different categories that they rank you on. So it took me several months to fill in the application, uh, submit it, and then you have to do interviews. Um, and then they task you with like a deeper dive on the question. So it's a lot of back and forth with an account manager that you end up with at the, uh, the B lab who certifies. And then we were granted our B Corp certification in April, 2019. So it was Honestly, it's for me of all the things that we've done in this business, you know, we've launched into Sobeys nationally, we've launched into Loblaws nationally, we've expanded into uh, new facilities and new products and all these things. But the B Corp certification to me felt like the biggest validation of this idea and of our model that we could ever receive because finally we were being literally ranked against the most progressive companies in the world and we were proven to to be worthy. You know, we were proven to be worthy of that, of the badge. So that felt incredible and continues to. 
Congratulations. Thank That's you. so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. We're really, we're really excited. We are so proud of you. Oh, thank you. And the, <laughs> the really cool thing though, too, about B Corp is that it serves now as a roadmap for us to continue to do better and better, right? Because we can see on a scorecard where we ranked really high and where we didn't rank so high. And then that is literally just like a checklist for us to say, you know, every time that we go in to get recertified, which I believe is every two to three years, like you want to do better than the last time you were in. So it's a really powerful tool for businesses. And it's amazing to see some of the really big companies in the world that are starting to get on board with B Corp. Like now when I see a B Corp symbol in a grocery store or in any other kind of setting, I'm like, yep, I choose that brand over any of the competitors brands instantly because I know they really they're putting their money where their mouth is. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's exciting. I'd like to congratulate you as well for (laughs) just recently um, becoming the 2019 producer of the year with uh, Taste of Nova Scotia. So you were recognized as leaders and change makers in the Nova Scotia food industry. Yeah. Wow. I know this. So this award um, comes from the amazing folks at Taste of Nova Scotia, which here is an organization uh, that, um, you know, tells the stories of Nova Scotian farmers, food producers, restaurants, um, food manufacturers, like it's an all encompassing food and beverage industry, um, champion essentially. So they do these awards every year and typically the producer of the year award goes to, or I shouldn't say typically, but, and it has in the past gone to, you know, a really cutting edge winery, like our friends at Benjamin bridge who Mm. just keep creating like world renowned wines or, um, you know, a, a seafood manufacturing facility that has cutting edge technology that's not seen anywhere else in the world. So these like really, really big operations are getting uh, awarded producer of the year. And then when I found out that we got it this year, I was like, Oh my, I just, I couldn't believe it. First of all, I was completely shocked, uh, because, we are doing things in such an old school way. Um, our bars are literally rolled out with like an like a like an actual rolling pin, <laughs> like that you have in your drawer at home. Um, they are cut with a knife. You know, there's real people making the bars. There's literally nothing high tech about what we're doing. It made with local, but we're socially innovating, and that recognition meant so much and is so. Uh, so powerful to me that our peers, so it's a board of, um, of judges who bring in the, uh, who decide on who wins these awards each year and to have their recognition to say our, see our products and to see our company as a whole and think that, um, we're doing something that's really special. Um, it just, yeah, it means, it means a lot because it shows that, Innovative businesses doesn't always mean, um, you know, that you have the fanciest equipment or the highest tech, this or that or the other thing. It just means that, you know, you're thinking about doing things in a different way and that you're, in our case, using business as a force for good. Definitely. And making a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Doing such good in the world. Mm -hmm. So almost to the end of the, uh, to the interview, is there anything else you'd like to tell us about Made With Local? Oh man. Well, we, yeah, we're just growing like a bad weed and something (laughs) that we are always, um, excited to tell people about as to where to find us, right? Like we've, we've expanded, uh, from our little handful of health food stores out here out East to, all across Canada. So you can find our real food bars in all the Loblaw stores all across Canada, Superstore, Sobeys and Safeway, um, so many more. Like we've got 850 retailers across Canada. So they're probably in your grocery store is what I'm going to say. Definitely. definitely. <laughs> um, and 
one thing that I, I, it's a, it's a funny thing for a business to say, but I also, I'm just like, I got, you know, much like I mentioned earlier is like the self doubt just needs to go and no shame is like the most powerful thing that anybody can do in their life is to like, see their dollar as a vote for the world that they want to live in. And when you choose something like Maple Focal or some other really rad indie brand, you are voting for them making a bigger impact in the world than, you know, some other, you know, brand that maybe is less purpose-led or less focused on, on the, those kind of positive changes in the world. So I always say like, if you see our product, buy one for yourself, but also get one for a friend because that the, the network, that's the community growing, right? Like that's the positive ripple effect that we can make, uh, in the world. And I just, yeah, I think it's a really fun idea because who honestly doesn't love friends who bring them snacks? Of course. Right. So it's like, then you're the hero (laughs) and then, you know, that's just a good thing to do. So, um, yeah, that's, that's really it. We're just really excited to share our story and share our really, really amazing products with folks all across Canada and, you know, in the not so distant future, we'll be busting outside these borders as well. Oh, I have so, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Where can we find you online? Uh, madewithlocal.com or .ca. Uh, and we have an online shop there as well, as well as tons of like videos and information about our amazing suppliers and producers and our uh, production facilities that we partner with. So it's the hub for all things made with local. Awesome. And great recipes too. Yeah. Right? There's some good recipes yeah. on there. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. So final question, mm-hmm. what impact has creating this business had on you both personally and professionally? Oh my God, Larissa. <laughs> I mean, so the business has become, you know, everything in my life. In addition to my family, like we are all in, and I don't mean everything is in like, if the business went away tomorrow, I would be like a shell of a human. Like that's super not how, how I feel about my life and my work, but it is like very deeply ingrained in my every single day. Like my husband now works in the company. Uh, My kids are at my office all the time. Like we're, we live and breathe the values of the company and are just, yeah, we're just all in. So it feels really amazing to, to have little separation between personal and professional because we're just like doing our thing. You know, it doesn't feel like I don't have a quote unquote, like work life balance and that I've, that we're not balancing things well. Cause I don't, when you care about something and when you're living something that's as aligned with your personal values, like you don't really need to box it out. Um, and that's not to say that of course, like we don't, you know, put our phones away on Sundays and like not engage with the business at times. Uh, but it doesn't feel like something that I ever really need to separate myself from because it's, it's me and it's us. And, um, you know, it's all a really fun adventure. So that's, yeah, that's how things have, have been impacted by me with local. Thank you so much for spending this time with me today. And thank you for bringing this amazing gift to the world. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more, please follow us on Facebook at Imaginal Ventures or visit our website at imaginalventures.com.